Well, once again, welcome to Grace This Morning. We're glad you're here. My name is uh, Michael. I am the middle school pastor at our Fremont campus and also the young adult pastor uh, for our campuses. Glad you all are here. And uh, before we get going into the message this morning, just want to take a second and we do want to honor uh, a group of people, our law enforcement, that if we're just being honest, you know, we see day to day the hate towards them and the... uh, just the, the, the lack of respect for the people that enforce our freedom. And so we want to take a second, whether you're retired or currently a law enforcement member, and we just want to thank you for putting your life on the line every day. And we know it's dangerous. We know that um, it's not easy. And even just a few days ago where a police officer in Toledo was shot and killed, and, and, and we just see um, the danger of it. And so if you, again, if, if you are current or a retired law enforcement Uh, person in our community, we would ask that just very quickly, we have a gift for you. If you would stand up and we could just um, show some appreciation to you um, just during this time. We just have a small card and okay, there we go. Got one, two over there. Yeah. And again, just have a small gift and there's also a prayer request card that we'd love to know just how to pray for you guys. or or your families during this time. So thank you very much, and we appreciate you for all that you do. Today, we are in a passage that probably all of us have uh, have heard of. And if we're not familiar with it, we've probably heard one verse out of John chapter 8, verse 32 to be specific. It says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. All right, I think we can wrap things up here. You guys know it already. Uh, (laughs) No, but you've probably heard this before, whether it's from, you know, libraries have used a slogan or just places of higher education. Even Martin Luther King was known for referencing this verse. But originally it came from Jesus. And Jesus is saying that when we know truth, this spiritual truth that he's talking about, it leads to freedom. And this freedom isn't just something that's political. It isn't just freedom that's saying, you know what, you will have the freedom uh, to be autonomous, you can do whatever you want, you can be whoever you want. It's not that type of freedom, it's more than that. It's this greater freedom that exclusively springs from truth. And he's offering, it, offering that to all of us. And so let's jump right into it. John chapter eight, verses 30 to 32. It says, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, Jesus, he's speaking to specifically Pharisees, these religious leaders who had it wrong. They were missing out on what God intended for them. And he's kind of claiming that, yeah, Jesus, he's saying, I am from God, that I'm here because he sent me, things like that. And as he's speaking... The Jews, there was a group of Jewish people in the crowd who began believing in him. And Jesus, right away, he doesn't say, hey, welcome to the team. You're a Christian now. Appreciate it. Glad you're following me. He issues them a challenge. And he's making them consider what it actually takes to be a follower of Jesus. Because even though the text says that many believed in him, we see that their faith wasn't genuine. Actually, if we fast forward to the end of the chapter, which we're not going to read, by the end of their conversation, 
they're trying to kill Jesus. They're trying to stone him. So obviously there's a disconnect to where, okay, maybe their full faith isn't in this guy. Maybe they're just saying it. They think that he's telling the truth, but it doesn't change their life. And there's no life change because of it. And that is a dangerous state to be in, to where you recognize what's true, you know what's right, but yet nothing changes. You don't do anything because of it. And the reality is there are so many people that fit into this category. Even Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is saying, many will call out, Lord, Lord, but I never knew them. There's a lot of people that are going to claim to follow Jesus, claim to know him, but they never really knew him. They never had a relationship with him. And so the question kind of comes about, all right, how do we know who's saved? If Jesus is challenging these people who claim to be saved and claim to know Jesus, then how do we know who's saved? And we ask this all the time, whether it's for ourselves or maybe our friends, our family, and we maybe wonder about others going, okay, yeah, you know, my friend, they go to church and they say they're a Christian, but, you know, they're really not at church that much and I don't really see this huge life change. I wonder if they're really saved. Or we even ask this about celebrities, right? Like, is Kanye West really a Christian or is he just, you know, is this just a phase for him? which I heard that he's, as of last night, running for president. So it's exciting news in our country, right? Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, but, sorry, I lost my train of thought after Kanye running for president. It, it hasn't settled yet. It hasn't settled yet. Okay. Um, but it can be easy to claim a name with no change. It can be easy to say, yeah, Jesus, I follow you. I'm a Christian. But then your life doesn't match up. I mean, think about people during this time. You have Jesus going from town to town, performing miracles, doing his ministry, uh, healing people, turning water into wine, multiplying food. It's probably easy for them to reap the benefits and say they're following this guy, but in reality, they're just wanting to follow him because of what he offers and what he does for them. And they're probably in the crowd going, yeah, Jesus, you can be whoever you want, just keep bringing in the food. You know, just keep doing that water to wine trick and I am with you every step of the way. And it's easy for them just like it is us today. And so Jesus is challenging them. Okay, you claim to be a follower, but that will be proved by one thing. And that's what we already read in verse 31. That will be proved by whether or not you continue in my word. Whether or not you continue in my word, he's showing them what a true disciple consists of. And this word disciple, it just means a learner. It means someone that is following the teachings of a leader. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, you learn from and you follow Jesus. And he's not showing them, he's not telling them the requirements to become a disciple, to become a follower. He's telling them what a disciple does. And Jesus says the mark of a true Christian is endurance, is perseverance. This life pattern of obedience to, to go, okay, it doesn't matter what the world says, I care what the Bible says. And I want to continue to follow him and his word and what he says. And we see that all over scripture. Even in John uh, 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Or think about the last thing that Jesus said on earth. The Great Commission, he's about to leave. He has died, he's been crucified, and he resurrected. He died for all our sins, and now his time on earth is finished. He's about to, to leave, go back to heaven. He's telling his disciples, hey, I still have a mission for you. Your job's not done. 
I want you to go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and also teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Like that's in the description of a disciple, is obeying Jesus. And the Bible does not teach that ethical behavior makes you a Christian. Being a Christian or becoming one isn't achieved by just obeying God. Christianity cannot be earned. It's a gift. You doing X, Y, and Z just because I work at a church, just because some of us attend a church, just because I read my Bible, because I pray, that doesn't mean anything when it comes to our salvation. Being a Christian doesn't mean being a good person. But as a Christian, you're going to strive to be obedient to God. It's a natural result of our faith. It's a natural result of God changing our heart to honor him. And so he goes on to say that you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And Jesus tells them that freedom is unattainable, is impossible without truth. So now we have to ask, okay, what is truth? Like what is he referring to? What is he talking about? He's not just meaning like worldly, factual, education, truth. He's talking about spiritual truth. Bible teaches that truth comes from God, that it is timeless, that it is absolute for all people and for all cultures and all ages, that God tells us about truth of God, of man, of what good is, of what evil is, tells us about life and death and salvation. And I would argue that this statement is just as revolutionary today as it was 2,000 years ago. Because it seems the world we live in, or our society, our country, truth is kind of this fluid concept to where, you know, it's not really knowable, it's changing, it's relative. If your truth isn't my truth, I'm offended. And truth can be whatever you want it to be. And the hope of discovering, discovering objective reality seems to be largely abandoned. But here's the reality, is that truth cannot be legislated. It can't be controlled by culture, by media. Society, no matter how much they want to, and no matter how much they think they're correct, society cannot redefine truth. God defines truth. And he has in his word, in the Bible that we all have access to. And that's where we get it from. And truth is what makes freedom possible. And he goes on later in John to say that I am the truth. I am the way, I am the life. So Jesus is not only claiming truth as a concept, but he's saying, no, I am the truth. That we can't find that outside of Jesus. And so with that, with truth, comes freedom. And freedom, likewise, is, is often misunderstood. You know, most think that freedom is just simply having no master. A lot of people think freedom is, you know what, having no one to answer to. And so if I'm up here saying, hey, Jesus offers you freedom, some of you might be going, okay, well, I'm already free. Uh, you know, I live in the land of the free. I freely chose to attend church this morning on Independence Day weekend. Uh, I have no one to answer to. I can do what I want when I want. Like, I am free. That may be true. But those things alone don't add up to us experiencing the authentic liberty that Jesus offers. And so freedom isn't having no master. It's having the right master. 
And I know that goes completely against what a lot of us think freedom is, but freedom isn't having no master, it's having the right master. And real freedom comes from submission to a master that loves you. A couple months ago, I had a, uh, a friend post on Facebook that their dogs were missing, and this is actually the, the Gerwin's dogs, so. Uh, so it, it was, I think, a Saturday night, maybe, and it was about 11 p.m., I grabbed some friends from church and we started to go look for Scooby and Molly. And uh, Scooby, I guess, got scooped up a little earlier. And Molly was still out there running around Eastside Fremont. And so we're looking, we're looking, we're driving like a, like a mile radius around the house. And we're looking in between houses, backyards, we're out in, in the fields and can't find her anywhere. And about two hours go by and it's like 1 a.m. I'm to the point where Look, I love this dog, but I'm tired. I'm trying to get home. And right before we are about to call it quits for the night, we find Molly. Anyone want to guess? Again, th- this dog has the freedom to go anywhere. It escaped probably out of their backyard, I think. And we found her. Anyone want to guess where? On their front porch. <laughs> we are looking all over Fremont for this dang dog and it's on their front porch. And I, I, I walk out of the car, go to Molly, and she's just looking at me like, I'm waiting, let me in. And, uh, and part of me was relieved, but part of me was like kind of annoyed because she was there you know, for at least quite some time. And I think I know why she went home. Even a dog understands that she is better off with a master that will care for her than she is off doing freedom by everyone else's terms. She's better at home where she is free to be a dog and have meals and and be with a family that loves and cares and provides for than she is on her own. If she is on her own, she could be, you know, injured. She could be ran over by a car. She could be, you know, starve and not find food. All these different things could happen to her, but she knows where she's better off. Molly understood that. I want us to begin to redefine what our idea of freedom really is because Freedom comes from following. Freedom comes from following the right master. And you might say, okay, well, how do you know that? Like, why, why do you think that's true? Bible tells us that none of us are free in our own sense, that we all are serving something. We're either following Christ or culture. We're following the cross or the crowd. We're following something with our lives, a person, a thing, an idea. Maybe some of us were going after success or comfort, or status, or money, or just ourselves. We want to be in charge of our own lives, and we don't want anybody to tell us otherwise. And ultimately, 2 Peter 2.19 says, By what a man has overcome, this he is enslaved. That we are enslaved to that which we pursue. That anything that we are basing our life after, everything that we are living for, ultimately that's what enslaves us. So, We're all following something. That's not the question. The question now becomes, who are you following? And you won't find true freedom anywhere outside of following a loving and perfect Savior with your life. Because he's the one master who knows you, he loves you, and has proved it with action, that he died for you. And you live for anything else. If we live for anybody or anything Outside of Jesus, it's going 
to oppress us. That's what the Bible tells us. And so Jesus is communicating that to this crowd, and they miss it. Verse 33, as we keep reading, he's telling them, hey, truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? The people listening, they're offended. They're saying, Jesus, why are you telling us that we need to become free? We are free. We are descendants of Abraham. And, and, and what they're referring to is about 2,000 years prior to Jesus, uh, a man named Abraham lived. He's the father of the, of the Jewish people. And God worked through him. He was known for having faith. And the Bible tells us that God made a promise to Abraham that his descendants would be blessed. And so the Jews are going, well, I'm a descendant of Abraham, so I'm good. Like, I have this special privilege with God that nobody else has. I don't need freedom, Jesus. Maybe others need freedom. Maybe you can go tell someone else, but we don't need that freedom. And they thought their family tree gave, this, gave them this position with God. But in reality, it did nothing for them. If we keep reading, verse 34, Jesus responded, Truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. If the son sets you free, you really will be free. I know you are descendants of Abraham, but you are trying to kill me because my word has no place among you. Despite their proud, self-righteous idea, pretense of freedom, they were slaves to sin. Verse 34 tells us that, that everyone who commits a sin is a slave to sin, which by the way, isn't just them. At one point in my life, this is me. At one point in all of our lives, it is referring to us that we are all born into our sin, that none of us can earn our way to God, but we are stuck in our sin. And being a slave means that you are totally under the control of someone else or something else. And you can't free yourself by your own merit, by your own power. And so if we're slaves to sin, that means we can't free ourselves. We can't solve this sin issue on our own. It influences our life now. The Bible says that it darkens our understanding that when we're slaves to sin, we're under its penalty, power, and presence. And these people could not see it. They were deceived. And the thing about being deceived is you usually don't know you're being deceived right? It's the whole idea. You think that you're on this right path. You think that you're doing okay. You think you know what's, what, what reality is, but you don't. And it's tough to realize when we're facing deception, just like it was for the Jews. And for them especially, it was easier to see in other people than it, is, or than it was themselves. But that's the same way with me, and I'm sure a lot of us, that it's easier to see the flaws and where other people fall short than where we fall short, right? Like it's, it's way easier to see somebody else and how they're missing out and how they're being deceived versus how we are. It's much easier to see other people and, and kind of you know, critique them before critiquing ourselves. And, and you know, it, it's much easier to say, Whoo, okay, we're talking about truth and freedom at church today. I am glad we're talking about truth. But you know what? You know who really needs to hear truth? My neighbor, every time I walk past their house, I look in their window and I see their television and it has Fox News or CNN News. They need to hear the truth, okay? Not me, I'm fine, but they need to hear the truth. Like it's easy for us to do that 
But what I want us to do is not focus on anybody else, not focus on somebody else. When we read the Bible, the first person that we should think about is ourselves and how we can apply this truth. Because Satan wants to keep you deceived for as long as he possibly can. He doesn't want you to understand who God is, what he's done for you. He doesn't want you to understand the truth. Uh, there's a movie that came out, I don't, probably 90s-ish. Probably should have looked this up before, but uh, The Truman Show. Anybody ever seen it? Who has not seen it? Wow, okay, most of you. All right, uh, let me spoiler this movie for you. Spoil this movie. Um, the idea is a man named Truman, his entire life is on television. So somebody could turn on the TV and 24-7 you can see what this guy is doing. From the time he was born to the end of the movie, which he's probably like 30, 40 years old. And the catch is, all that's on TV, but he has no idea. So he doesn't know that he's being taped. He doesn't know that around his town, there's probably thousands of cameras documenting everything going on in his life. Right? And so the town he's in, it's all set up. Uh, his friends and his wife, they're all actors. Everything that's going on, he's being deceived into thinking this is reality. And by the end of the movie, he uh, figures it out and ends up kind of freeing himself from that bubble that he's in. But he spent 30, 40 years unaware to the fact that he was on the air, unaware to the fact that he was being deceived into thinking, okay, this is his life, this is my family, these are my friends, this is what life is actually like, but he was deceived for a long time. And unfortunately, that's how it can be for us. That we can spend years and years believing that truth is what we think it is. And we can spend so much time being deceived. And that's how it was for the Jews that were listening to Jesus. They, I mean, think about it. Truth, Jesus, was right in front of them. Their opportunity for freedom was looking them in the face. And they missed it. And they did not realize what Jesus was offering. And we don't want you to miss out. Because the thing about absolute truth is that you can miss it. If there is a right way, if there's a right way to heaven, if there's a right way to salvation, if there's a right way to live, then there's a wrong way. And Jesus doesn't want any of us to miss out on that because he tells us he is the truth and that he is the way and he is the person that brings life. And the world offers us false freedoms that ultimately lead to death, but there's only one way that leads to life. In, uh, in, in, in Luke chapter four, Jesus uh, returns to his hometown of Nazareth and he's kind of like the hometown hero. Everyone's excited to hear him speak. His first sermon in that town, he enters the synagogue Everyone's excited. They're, they're amazed at just how much he's like matured since they last saw him. And uh, his, is, his, sermon, sorry, his sermon is pretty short, doesn't get too far into it. And actually by the end of it, the crowd gets so frustrated, so angry that they try to throw him off a cliff. <laughs> they drive him to the edge of the town and they try to kill him. So they weren't that gracious. Now compare that to my first time speaking in Tiffin you guys were much more welcoming. So thank you for not trying to kill me after my first sermon. I appreciate that. But he reads from an Old Testament passage in Isaiah, and he's saying uh, Isaiah was a prophet, a messenger of God, 
But Jesus is saying this ultimately is fulfilled and refers to me. And so Luke chapter four, verse 18, here's what it says. And as we read this, this is, this is what Jesus came to do. This is his, um, his mission. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set free the oppressed. This right here, to set free the oppressed, to free the captives, to proclaim liberty and freedom to all who are enslaved. That's Jesus' job description right there. That is what he has done. That's what he offers. Jesus, he left heaven. He was born, lived a perfect life, died, or was tortured, crucified, died on the cross, and rose from the dead for our sins to free us from our sins, to free us as prisoners. And you might be going, okay, what does he free us from? He frees us from lies so that we no longer have to wonder what's true, what's not. We have the truth. And that's Jesus himself and his word. He frees us from Satan, our enemy. That they, There is an enemy that hates you, that hates me, that wants nothing for you except for slavery, that wants us to be enslaved by our thoughts, by the lies that we're held in. We have a greater ally than we have an enemy in Jesus. Jesus also frees us from judgment, from hell, so that we don't have to wonder, okay, where am I, where am I gonna spend eternity? No, Jesus has settled that for us. He frees us from condemnation. Romans 8.1 tells us that because we are in Jesus, no one can bring a charge to you. No one can say, oh, well, you really don't deserve heaven. How can you be forgiven for that? No, Jesus paid it all on the cross. And we're free from that. He has freed us from spiritual death. That this life here, we're not going to live on earth forever. But we know that we can have eternal security through him. And he freed us from our sin. Our biggest problem and our biggest need is that we're separated from him. And we are all sinful. And he did that in order to give us life to the fullest. And give us life abundantly. And only Christians no true freedom. Only Christians know true freedom. People who have acknowledged their sin and realized that, you know what? I am sinful. I fall short of God's standard. I'm not perfect. I can't earn my way into heaven. I can't buy my way into heaven. I can't do enough good things. It's only by trusting in what Jesus has already done for me. And so I believe in him, his death and resurrection, and I choose to follow him. Those who have made that decision with their life, Christians, only Christians know true freedom. By the way, being a Christian doesn't mean we're perfect. It's actually the complete opposite. It means that we have acknowledged how jacked up we really are and how messed up just our hearts are. It means following Christ. It means making his word our home and we're eager to obey it. Being a Christian means that we still mess up it means that we still sin, we're still tempted to go away from him, but the only thing keeping us from going back and the only thing keeping us driving forward is Jesus. And that's why placing our faith in him is completely necessary. Because you cannot have freedom without forgiveness. You cannot have freedom without forgiveness. We've all sinned, we all deserve punishment, and only he can take care of our deepest need. 
And again, we believe that truth isn't found in a political party. It's not found in a philosophy. It's not found in a policy. It's found in a person. Jesus says he is the truth. And we don't want you to miss that. And that's why we're so adamant on following God's word because it is the truth. And that's why if anyone, any church, any person tells you that you can get to God, that you can gain eternal life outside of Jesus, they're wrong. But Jesus is offering it to all of us. And so in a world filled with deception, Jesus invites us to abide in his word, which brings truth and freedom. And if you're in here this morning and you're like, you know what, I don't know if I've ever made a decision. I don't know where I stand with God. I know you're talking about truth and freedom and how we can have it, but I just don't know what that means yet. I don't know if I died tonight where I would go for eternity. We don't want you leaving this room without having that answer. You can find me, find Pastor Zach, Pastor AJ, Blaine, or find a volunteer. They'll point you in the right direction. We want just to simply help you answer some questions and find out what God wants for your life. And if you have, if you have made that decision, then knowing that we have freedom, we have freedom in Christ, that's the best news that we, can, that we can have. And we're able to celebrate that. And actually, just in a minute, we're going to um, sing a song that Blaine and the team is going to lead us in. And this song perfectly ties in with what we're talking about. Just to paraphrase, it talks about how I was a prisoner. But thankfully, you bought my freedom. We are thankful for the cross. And by your death, I live. Talking about the power of sin is no longer on us. It's overcome. Because of what Jesus has done, we have freedom. And that is the best news. That's something we can be grateful for. That's something that we can take every day. That's something that not only comforts us now, but for eternity. Jesus freed us from sin, from shame, from guilt, from wondering, man, where do I stand with him? Jesus paid for it. And we want nothing more than for all of us in this room to experience that type of freedom that Jesus offers. So let's go ahead and pray as we, uh, as we wrap up and before we just thank God for what he's done. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for today. Thank you for allowing us to to be here, to be at Grace this morning, to hear your truth, to know your truth. And God, it's so easy to just be kind of swept away by, by what the world says is true or by just our preference. But we know that truth is found in your word, that you define it for us and we don't wanna miss it. I pray that we would seek you, that we wouldn't follow anything else, we wouldn't follow just our own motives, we wouldn't seek comfort or pleasure or status or money or anything else. God, we would seek you because you are the most fulfilling. You're the only thing that is worth following and worth living for. And I pray that people in this room who don't know that yet, I pray that you would just reveal that to them and see how great you are. And this isn't just about being a good person. We don't become a Christian by doing good things. We become a Christian because we are forgiven by you, knowing that Jesus has paid everything for us on the cross. We thank you for that truth most of all. And we want to worship you today. In your name, amen.